This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time for the opening, the, the, the opening drive. Okay, so Dan, it was an interesting week because it started Sunday night post-game. Justin Fields, well, you set the stage because you were there. And what happened when he was asked a basic question kind of set off a, a little bit of a mini controversy throughout Chicago. Yeah, uh, depending on which side of, of the spectrum you're on here, it was a, a mini controversy or it was a non-troversy, right? And we'll get into more of that after we set the whole thing up. But listen, you're you're 45 minutes uh, after a 27 to 10 loss to your rival, and you're the starting quarterback, and you're asked to go do your post-game news conference in a, a small closet-like room at Lambeau Field, and, and Justin Fields, by his own admission, came in a little bit angry, <laughs> not too happy about losing, not too happy about losing in that fashion to the Green Bay Packers after all the work that was put in and and you know a couple minutes into to, to the post-game press conference he got a question that he wasn't fully expecting it was a, a question that I would take a little bit of exception to because I'm not sure some of the context to it makes sense in in that moment to ask the question but why don't we play that sequence hear what Justin said and then obviously we can react to what he said and react to the reactions to what he was reacting to to what was reacted to to what was said <laughs> So here you go. Does it sting more because of the rivalry and you know how much Bears fans want to win this game? Yeah. I mean, it, it hurts more in the locker room than the Bears fans. I mean, because at the end of the day, they're not putting in any work. Um, I see the guys in the locker room every day. I see how much work they put in. So um, just coming out with a disappointing loss like this, um, you know, it hurts. But, uh, you know, we just got to respond. So, so, David, that was interpreted by some. Let's just say by some, because I don't even want to say by many. But it was interpreted by some to be sort of a cheap shot blindside at Chicago Bears fans from the starting quarterback. Now, in the column that I wrote later in the week after Justin addressed this, I said, listen, like it was so non-significant that there wasn't a single follow-up question asked in that room because it was just something that everyone in that room realized was just an answer to a, a question that asks him about the fans, which I'm not sure why the fans had anything to do with anything in that moment after the game. And so, so Justin's point was saying, listen, like this thing lost stings because it's a division loss to a rivalry. Uh, opponent and and in the game that we desperately wanted to win and in, des- in a game we put a lot of work into and so I'm not really worried about how fans are feeling 35 minutes after a game when my own emotions are so uh, you know agitated and annoyed and aggravated by by the way this game went down that nobody in the outside world is taking this loss harder than me and that's what Justin was trying to say and as you know it was misinterpreted from there. I think so. And I think that's why I'm glad we're doing this podcast. And I think that's why this has been so much fun to do something like this, because this allows us to provide some context. And I think the Internet and Twitter and social media sometimes is where context goes to die. And so (laughs) when you see a, a clip like that amplified on the many social media sites where they get a lot of eyes and a lot of ears, 
sometimes people can react in a way that I totally respect and understand. Look, I never want to be the guy. And traditionally, whether it's, you know, here or when I started in this business a long time ago, you don't tell fans how to act. You don't tell fans how to hurt. You don't tell fans how to feel. And I don't think he was doing that. So I respect that part of it. But I think that in what he said was very understandable to me. And it made everything make sense. Look, you want your players, especially your leaders like Justin Fields, to care. And you want him invested because you know what, Dan? We both know if he wasn't, if he was aloof, just check your 2022 White Sox, Chicago. (laughs) If he was aloof, we would be calling him out on a regular basis for not being connected or not being a good teammate or being too much like Jay Cutler, frankly. So what he said was totally defensible, understandable, and frankly relatable. And and th- then you go into the third phase of it for me is that so quickly after a game, you got a 23-year-old kid, young man, who is being asked to express himself, but he did so in a way that came back to haunt him later. And I just don't think he, it should have. And and maybe I'm being too harsh with this, but I was aggravated by the question in the moment and then aggravated more when this thing sort of mushroomed in and took on a life of its own because it just, in the minutes after that game, there's 150 questions that we can get to with the starting quarterback to try to detail what happened in that loss. And one of them isn't, does this loss sting more because the fans wanted this so badly, right? Like, right. and Justin's point was, I wanted this badly. I wanted this really badly, right? Like my whole point in, trying to be the star franchise quarterback of the Chicago Bears is to come win signature games like this. And I didn't do it. And I'm aggravated. And there's nobody on their couch who threw a remote against the wall or or, or swore at their wife that, that that wanted this game more than I did, right? And that, that's all he was trying to say. Uh, obviously, as you know, uh, the, the the social media backlash just exploded and then it becomes a, a, a talk radio thing and then it becomes something more from that and it goes on and on until we get to Wednesday when Justin has his weekly press conference and he obviously came to the Hellas Hall media room where I'm sitting now uh, with an intent on addressing this because it was a, a kind of harmless question from Colleen Kane about how he had handled kind of the correction process from Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday that then sent Justin into his response. Take a listen to that. I was mad after the game, and I mean, I, I like to address this now to get everything cleared up, but, you know, there was a thing that I said on Sunday after the game where I said, you know, um, the fans don't put in work, and when I was, you know, first off, um, you know, I was frustrated after the game, so, you know, number one, I didn't want to come and talk to you guys. Um, I wasn't in the mood to come and talk to you guys, so, um, you know, I should have did a better job explaining what I meant by that, but um, what I meant by that was I'm talking about work, you know, regarding uh, the game on Sunday, winning the game. You know, I don't know any fans. I don't know what they're doing in their personal lives. Um, and I respect every fan that we have. I'm, you know, glad that we have fans. So, um, you know, I would never disrespect, you know, anybody on what they do or what they love to do. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, it came off like that. And, of course, you know, some social media outlets, they, you know, quoted my quote and, you know, they got a big buzz on it. So, uh, of course, they did a great job doing that. And, of course, social media is going to do that. But, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up right now. How did you become aware of the backlash to that small comments you made to post oh i mean i was getting tagged and you know a bunch of stuff on social media so I, you know the fans definitely uh let me know for sure but um you know uh, again you know I, I didn't mean it to you know come off like that but of course you know barstool or whatever you know tried to make it seem like i did so um you know they, they did a good job doing that and of course there were people that you know uh, 
that bought into it. But hey, just 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 clearing that up. What kind of adjustment is that for you? And just realizing that there's going to be some extraneous stuff in your role here that that comes to your doorstep when you probably don't want it to. Yeah, um, you know, I talked to my dad about it, and you know, I mean, as long as I'm going to be in this position, you know, there's always going to be stuff like that that pops up. So, um, just knowing that, you know, as long as I'm in this profession, that it's it's really never going to go away. So I just got to either be really, you know, clear to you know everything that I say, um, be really descriptive of what I really mean or just really not say anything at all. <laughs> well, obviously, David, we are in the, the camp that hopes that he doesn't opt for not really saying anything at all, because that's going to make things really boring for us in the media and by extension, those in the Chicago Bears fandom and, and the audience, because you want to get to know your your quarterback on a a human level, right? And to see him as a person. And, and I thought uh, on Wednesday, we saw Justin as a 23-year-old kid who's understanding what this stage in the city of Chicago with the QB1 role is all about, right? And he's learning on the job. It's not just reading defenses. It's not just learning where to go in his progressions. It's understanding that you are now the face and the voice of a franchise that's been around for 102 years, right? And so you have to be careful with what you say, but you hopefully can also be clear with what you say and, and, and you know, guiding with what you say. And, and, and Justin's learned that right like there are going to be controversies over his time in this role that come to the door and they ring the doorbell and they say hey we're here for you and now it's about his ability to react to those we saw that with Mitch Trubisky during his time here we saw it with Jay Cutler during his time here. you see it with every quarterback that's been through here and so so I, I give Justin credit on Wednesday for showing the maturity uh, and the sincerity he did because I think it's a step in the right direction I do too and I think the evolution and the education of Justin Fields franchise quarterback continues now whether or not he becomes that guy on the field. That's kind of a different matter. But I think the two can be related. Yes, they are. And, and, and I think he recognized this week, and he I think he realized it already, that the way that you manage perception can affect your reality. And too often, that's a thing, that's a concept that's lost at Hallis Hall. And you know it as well as I do, that they are too often flat-footed, I think, is the way that you have referred to it. And, and I think that's a good way to describe it. And so your follow-up questions were relevant. They weren't attacking. They weren't kind of leading. And, and I thought that he handled himself in a way that was encouraging because you have to recognize the responsibility that comes with the privilege of being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. And so his he vowed to be a little bit more himself. And I, and I don't know this, but I, I can assume that the conversation he had with his dad was probably something very reassuring. We're both dads. My son yeah. is, is a, just a year or so younger than Justin Fields, but I can imagine just that sort of reality of talking to your kid and having him go through this, and you want him to feel comfortable and confident no matter how accomplished he is, and just just be yourself, and yeah. then you'll find strength. And I think that you, you saw some of that strength come out in Justin Fields in his clarification, not so much apology as it was, as it was yeah. clarification. Yeah. Good, good distinction there. And I, I think you're right on that. And that's for me was, was one of the lasting takeaways because Justin vowed to show us more of his personality. He didn't come up here and, and say, screw it. I'm never talking to you guys again, because I see how these things spiral. And so it was, it was a recognition that he's got to, do his part in this to meet halfway a little bit and, and to be a little more interpersonal to, to, to make these things go a little smoother as time goes on. Right. And, and so I think that, that it'd be very natural for someone to, to get immediately combative, immediately defensive and suddenly 
create friction in a situation where neither side really wants the friction, right? Like nobody wants that as we go through this, this journey with Justin. And so I think maybe at that step with the, the, the guidance of Pablo fields is, is something that's important. I've got one more thing I want to throw at you before we kind of transition this onto the football side, because it takes me back. And I know this is the second straight week I've, I've mentioned my time covering college basketball, but I think it's relevant in this regard because I covered the Duke program and I covered a coach in, in Mike Krzyzewski who, whose every word was scrutinized. And more than once, there was something that Coach K said at a podium that was taken out of context by people that weren't there and spun into something bigger that makes headlines and then goes viral and then becomes a thing, right? And the most uh, relevant example that I could remember was in 2009 when Duke and North Carolina were at the same NCAA first round and second round site. And Barack Obama, the president at the time, had gone on ESPN and made his bracket picks. And he had picked, correctly, I might add, North Carolina to win it all. And so Coach K was asked before his first round game, you know, Coach, uh, you know, Barack Obama just picked North Carolina, your chief rival, to win the national title. Do you have any response? And he made a, a sarcastic, humorous comment about, well, I think he should probably be worried more about the economy than he should be worried about his bracket. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and so, like, it, you know, it got a couple chuckles in the room and it was a thing, but then it exploded outside the room, right? And, and this is why I want to bring this up to you because you've been – inside the room in your roles and you've been outside the room in the roles and there's, there's different ways you react to these things. And, and so eventually I get back to my hotel room that night and I CNN on the crawl, it says coach K blasts Obama. Right. And you're like, you're, you're like, wait, what? Like, that's not what happened. So I, I I'll cap this off because I want to get your thoughts to this. I, I had a subsequent conversation with coach K about this, where he said, listen, I understand that those things are going to happen. Right. And, and that this is just the world we live in today. And, and things I say are going to get taken out of context and blown up. But he asked, he said, for someone like you, at what point is it in your role as someone who was in that room and realized that I wasn't blasting president Obama, that you clarify that in your coverage of what you do because that was one of those ones i didn't touch because i was like he didn't blast obama i'm not writing an article on that that's stupid right and and his question was well why didn't you write it to say that's stupid and to clarify for people in the outside world what i was what i was doing in that moment well you can only tend your own garden i think you can only do your own thing and maybe uh you you only have a responsibility you can't change the narrative nationally but what you can do is that you can do what we're, what we're trying to do here is provide context be responsible try to interpret in a way that does allow some understanding perhaps and you know we all we all are products of our own experiences and while we're going back so this took me back to you know my i, I covered notre dame for 10 years with yeah. the south bend tribune and ron paulus you remember that name oh he yeah was one of the most famous quarterbacks in all of college football he was going to win four heismans i think he was going to win that many heismans <laughs> and he was thrust into the the spotlight and he wasn't ready for it, maybe. And he had an interaction with the fan. And I forget the exact details, but I ripped him in my role as a columnist. And I was a 20-something columnist trying to figure out and get my footing as an opinionist or whatever. And I think I learned – and I think about that uh, – and I, and I overreacted. And I probably went a little bit too far, too harsh, because I lacked the context. And you know what? It made an impression on me. So situations that have come up over the years, things like this with Justin Fields – I don't want to say have a little grace, but have a little understanding. You know, this was, and you have to consider the circumstances. It's not always black or white. It's not Mike Krzyzewski ripping the president. It's kind of <laughs> somebody trying to come up with something to say to fill the void because it's part of his responsibility. Justin Fields was answering a question pretty quickly after having his adrenaline high and being in the moment. And I think that 
if we all could have a little bit of grace and understanding, we would not be jumping to these kind of conclusions, which may make great, you know, ratings or great numbers for your your website. But really, is that the responsible way that you want to get there? And I don't think that it is. So I think everybody makes a judgment call when they're in, facing these situations. Not that ours is necessarily right, but I think it is consistent with the way that we judge news and news stories. Just so you know, uh, Barack Obama's personal aide was a former Duke basketball player, Reggie Love. So they yeah. were able to patch things up rather quickly and, and get things going. Now, Justin's uh, attempts to patch things up with the Chicago Bears fans may take a little while and it may take some some play on the field to win back some of those fans that he lost. And and and, and trust me, the, uh, the people that he lost this week, like I, I would just say, get over yourself, right? Like right. find a way to, to get back to a, a, a measured, stable ground where you can see uh, life through a clear lens and, and let's move forward in trying to figure out who this kid is as a quarterback. And I do want to move forward to who this kid is as a quarterback now, because I do think though, there is maybe a connection here. I'm curious what you think. So part of the response included a vow to be himself and a vow to show more personality and a vow not to be as robotic and mechanical, maybe behind the mic and just to kind of, you know, responsibly, show a little bit of that flair that I think people close to him that his teammates may see on a more regular basis. Dan, is there a connection between that maybe vow to be more of who he is publicly with a commitment to being more himself on the field as a quarterback, letting it cut, cutting loose every now and then being less mechanical, less concerned with maybe the mechanics of my footwork and this and that, because we saw too much of that against the Packers. Do you see any relation there at all? Here's the relation that I see. I think it, it is a commitment to getting comfortable, right? And I think that's what has to happen for Justin. And we've talked about comfort needing to precede confidence. And I think that's it's a commitment to getting comfortable, whatever that means, on the field, off the field, in your routine, during practice, during game nights, in your back and forth with your coaching staff. Where are you comfortable? And, and let's communicate that and let's try to make you more comfortable and let's hope experience over time creates comfort, right? Because I think some of the mistakes that we saw Sunday against the Packers were troublesome. They become triply troublesome if they continue to show up, right? If we're talking about the same sorts of mistakes in November, as we're talking about in week two, we've got problems. And so I think that's where Justin has to, to really make sure that he stays immersed in this grind, because really for the next 16 plus weeks, this is going to be an intense grind that's going to challenge him in a lot of ways. Because uh, again, I, I truly believe that there's going to be a lot of encouraging moments that are quickly offset by by stressful ones, right? And and trying to ride that roller coaster and stay comfortable is not an easy task okay so let's get to the back to the game against the Packers and and one of the things that he addressed this week in terms of getting comfortable in terms of trying to create some of those big moments there was a play where he had Darnell Mooney and it didn't work and Luke Getze addressed it at the podium when he had his chance this week and Justin Fields was asked about it as well Dan I'll let you take it from there because that was a big moment in the game and could have been a huge moment in his development yeah and the setup here is it's the one deep shot that that the Bears took all night to Darnell Mooney and Darnell Mooney had single coverage against Eric Stokes and and, it, and appeared to the naked eye from the press box watching on TV that he got Eric Stokes turned around a little bit and he had a step and you say boy let's hit that shot well there's a little bit more nuance to it and so I asked Justin specifically what from your lens made that play discombobulated here was his answer so um, just the type of post he ran, so that uh, particular post, he was supposed to run a keeper corner post to where uh, he takes an inside stem and lose a little bit to sell it like as a keeper. And then, um, you know, uh, he can also take that angle out of the post flatter 
especially when there's nobody over there. So, um, you know, I, the coach did a great job making him a nice cut up. So he got, you know, a lot of looks at that. So uh, it should be good, good on those plays now. When you are close friends with your number one receiver, you can go to the podium and say these things, right? Because you've already said them to 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 him, right, directly. Right. Total aside, I have been surprised and I guess impressed by the level of detail that we get about pass routes in specific plays, whether it's Mooney, yeah. Justin Fields, or Luke Getze. They're all very specific sometimes in describing these moments. I love it. I mean, I love it as a, as a football nerd who wants to know why X's and O's don't work out more than the TV copy will show us more than the press box view will show us. And that's one where you see something from the press box and then you watch it on, on the tape and then you watch it from the all 22. And then it's not until they explain it to you where you go, ah, got it. And and it wasn't just Justin and Luke Getze, you know, Darnell owned up to this. I talked to him in the locker room for a little bit, talked to Ty Tolbert, the receivers coach, and this is all just route precision, right? And and it's, and it's an imprecise route by Darnell Mooney. That was costly. And and Darnell realizes that. And they say, look, it's some of it's time on task. And some of it is just getting a feel for, okay, I got to know what I'm supposed to do on this play, sell the keeper, you know, and then, and then make your break and then take the angle to a way uh, where the quarterback can find you the ball. Now that said, I do think that, that Luke was, was very forward on Thursday and saying, listen, like football is an imprecise game. And, and when you, when your receiver runs the wrong route, you have a responsibility as a quarterback to adjust on the fly and throw the ball to where he's going, not to where you wanted him to be. Right. And it's a quick reaction. you got to see things with your eyes in the moment. And so I think there's a little bit of wiggle room there where, where you let Justin off the hook a little bit, but then you say also, Hey, you got to adjust on the fly and then make a throw with a guy in one-on-one coverage that it, at the minimum gives him a chance to make a play on the ball. Okay. So that whole process and those, that dialogue, I think does lend itself to kind of our next big picture topic that we wanted to at least address, address briefly because it's going to be an ongoing conversation. And that is this con this idea that the bears have to know by the end of the season, what they have in Justin Fields. And I think from week to week, you start to wonder and you start to dissect little plays like this one, comments like that one, and to see exactly, okay, like we're keeping score, like we're, you know, watching it, uh, a GPS, like, okay, you're almost there. You're almost there. It's like five hours and 12 minutes left in the journey. And I think that that's somewhat misleading. And and I think they're, they're coaching him in a way that reflects the patience that I think we both understand they're going to have to have. So Dan, let's just big picture wise, when you hear people, whether it's on the radio, whether it's a visiting media, even if it's somebody on the beat who says, well, you know, the bears have to know by the end of 22, what they have in Justin Fields, what's your immediate reaction and how do you respond to that idea? Good luck. (laughs) Good luck is my reaction. I think it's impractical. I think it's misguided. And I think people better be readying themselves for the idea that they're not going to know, right? Like that in a lot of situations, you don't know and that you don't have to force a verdict if the verdict isn't clear to you, right? You've listened, you've worked quarter century uh, in this business, you know, deadline pressure, right? And what deadline pressure is and how how suffocating it can be and, 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 and just how much intensity can come with that. Well, you don't have to create a deadline that is 
is artificial, right? And I think this idea that January 10th is this artificial deadline for for when the Bears absolutely have to know whether Justin is their their quarterback of the future or a guy they got to get rid of is is crazy, right? Like it, it it's just crazy to me because what we've seen through 12 starts now, ideally, we're going to get 15 more before the end of this year, is that this is going to be a roller coaster, that there are going to be moments of brilliance that say, yep, that's it. That's that's the guy. That's that's the playmaking prowess that tells you he's the guy, followed by two, three, four, where, where you say, boy, they lost a game that they, they should have won. They made errors that they shouldn't have made. That they, It's just bumpy. This position is really difficult to play. It takes a long time to learn. Justin's made two starts in a new system with a new coaching staff with a, a supporting cast, by the way, that isn't fortified. You look at what's happening in places like Miami and Philadelphia where where you give a young developing quarterback that has struggled weapons right and you say boy okay got him a, a free agent veteran or a, a, a traded veteran and, and drafted someone for him and now all of a sudden look at he, he's flourishing and so I just it, it, it's crazy to me like I, I, I think David that, that, that people that think that at some point in 2023 there's the potential that the Bears have a rookie starter replacing Justin Fields are just out in La La Land, right? They're taking some Aaron Rodgers' ayahuasca tea and hallucinating something that's <laughs> that's not there because I just I don't think that's the direction that it's headed. One more thing, and I'll flip it over to you, is I also think that when you talk to people outside this building, I don't have any internal intelligence on this, but people outside the building say that if you're Ryan Poles, your egg timer doesn't turn over until you you take the next quarterback, right? Or until you make your investment in Justin as your next quarterback, right? And, and sign him with the extension. And so why rush that, right? Like why suddenly t- start the timer on yourself when you don't have to, right? Like why not just buckle in, be patient through this year, through much of next year, and then you can come to a, a, a much more informed conclusion on a decision that obviously is going to shape the, the future of your franchise for a decade or longer. And the most recent example to support that final point is, Ryan Pace, the heat intensified on him once it was clear that Mitch Trubisky was not the guy. Right. And so that's what you have to remember. Even though you may have repressed those memories, you have to kind of keep that in mind. Look, I understand. And and I thought it was very interesting. We had Ross Tucker as a guest on the Mullen Haas show on on Thursday morning. And he scoffed at the idea that, boy, the 2023 draft class quarterback is so great that they're going to be better. Any alternative might be better than Justin Fields if he goes in the direction that you know, a lot of uh, people expecting him not to develop expect him to go. And I thought that was interesting because he has no he, he has no stake here locally. And I think that he's looking at it objectively. And he's saying a lot of the things you're saying about the quarterbacks who are going to be in the 2023 class were the things that you were saying about Justin Fields when he was dominating at Ohio State. So right. just remember those things and Okay, so you're right. What we need to do is we could get to week 18 and we could know for sure. And that's still that's still plausible. We could know that he is either overmatched or we could know that he is the guy. But we don't know that in week three as it approaches. And I think that's the one thing that we have to continue to keep (laughs) the choir or reminding people is that they're going to be. Uh, in, in baseball, Theo Epstein said success is not linear, and you're not going to see a, that that be the case with Justin Fields, especially with a team that is going to struggle to score touchdowns like the Bears are going to sc- struggle to score touchdowns. Keep everything in mind. And again, we, the plea for context and for patience is boring. And you're right. I have been in this business <laughs> a long time, and I have been on the newspaper side of it where you're wanting to you know, be – compelling and you have a deadline and you want to reach a conclusion. And I've been on the the radio side of it where you want to 
worry about being compelling and interesting and have people listen to you with your hottest take of the day or the week. <laughs> but I think that it's boring, but it's gray and it's necessary because with the, when you have a development case or project like Justin Fields, you just got to be fair. And being fair means being patient to allow for things to happen in due time. And in due time, we'll know, but we're not going we, to, it's, it's conceivable. And maybe even likely, we're not going to know this year. You said it was impractical. I think it's unrealistic. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a, you know, 92% chance that we 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 have a hung jury by by the end of the 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 week 18 game, right? And then you just go into 2023 saying, "Boy, we've got to learn all these things." Okay, As let's a- yeah, I was just going to say, as a fan who sat through this this storyline, you know, a hundred times, I understand why people get angry and and say, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to have to wait. Tell me as soon as possible. But it's just, I, I, I'm just trying to condition everyone out there to understand that we may not know, and and you better be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Texans come to town Sunday. A, lo- a few things going on at practice that are worth mentioning before we get into our next. Breakdown segment, Dan, Roquan Smith on the injury list, two days in a row, mispractice with a hip problem. Do you think that affected his play last Sunday? How concerned should the Bears be? The sentiment inside the building is that Roquan should be able to play Sunday against the Texans. It's certainly worth keeping an eye on because if he's able to play, you got to keep an eye on how effective he is. If he's not able to play, well, now we've got a new storyline in the uh, 2022 saga of Roquan Smith that will only make things more compelling and more weird, right? Or more more just interrupted, which has been a, a word that has been used with Roquan here in, in this year. So uh, that's one that, that it's a keep an eye on situation. I don't think it's overly serious yet. If he doesn't play, how soon before people ask or wonder, is he preserving himself for the big contract that he wants or seeks? And how quickly will people question his toughness? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's, that, that, is, that is inevitable. And, that, and that's what happens when you're embroiled in a situation like Roquan's embroiled. And you, you welcome those questions or you invite those to your doorstep because that's just what's going to come with this, this weird saga when you're playing for a non-contending team and, and trying to solidify your future. Another health question, Lucas Patrick snapping the ball as of Wednesday. Does he start at center, do you think? My sentiment is one more week, maybe in New York against the Giants, that Lucas Patrick will take his first snap as the Chicago Bears center in the regular season. Sam Mustaver uh, in line to start again in week three. But it's certainly uh, progressing in the direction where he's getting that strength and that functional uh, quality to his right hand again. And, and uh, sooner rather than later, he'll be back on the field snapping. And the last one before we get to our numbers game and prediction segment, how about Vela's Jones, I'm very frustrated. I want to see him play. I know a lot of Bear fans agree. I think he can help the return game, and I know he could help the offense. Well, Velas returned to practice. He was limited on, on Thursday, and now it's okay. How does the hamstring respond? How does it respond on Friday? How does it respond on Saturday? How does it respond on, on Sunday? And then if he plays in a game, you know, 10, 12 snaps, how does it respond the next week? Right now, Velas has put himself in a situation where we're going to be skeptical of his health and his hamstring situation uh, until he practices for three straight weeks without being on the injury report. That's just where we're at with him. Uh, good sign on Thursday that he was able to get out there, but it's not a great sign until it's followed up by a, a second consecutive day of practice, which he hasn't had in the regular season yet. Any other tidbits before we move on to predictions? No, I'm ready for predictions. This is a, a, an action-packed week out here, so let's get to it. Okay, well, that was a long opening drive. We went 99 yards without, well, did we score? I don't know. That <laughs> got to the audience. goal. I think we got it over. QB Power. Side. 